Tonight is Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. This is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. We're going to talk about Week 8 and preview Fantasy Football. Fantasy Football. Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. I am Jason, joined as always by Dave. Cheers, buddy. What's the reach over? Uh, there's not too many things to destroy, just all of the podcast equipment. It's better than the reach around, it's uh, the reach over. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Let's do this thing. So, uh, yeah, tonight we're going to talk about week eight and the NFL. It is good to be back. Last week I was not uh, available for the show. Thanks to Jess for covering for me. And, uh, you know, the show must go on, as they say. So this week, um, we can always stop in and talk about what we're drinking. We do have a nice little display up front there. We've got some Moon Man from New Glarus. Uh, we've got some Revolution Sours, uh, Revolution IPA. What are we drinking right now? What was this? Uh, the beer is called uh, Blueprint, which is from a local brewery in the Chicago suburbs, um, uh, Scorched Earth. And uh, I, I don't know the specifics of it other than uh, it, it itself uh, was brewed with um, some fruit flavors. It's some kind of an ale. Uh, it's delicious, but it's, it's definitely something that uh, you want to uh, um, you, you drink in uh, small quantities. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's not maybe, I don't know if I'd drink a whole 16-ouncer of it. But uh, it, it's very good, and, you know. Splitting big beers is uh, one of my favorite pastimes now. Yeah, and uh, we ha- we have quite a few beers here today. I don't know if we're going to get through them all, but it's a good selection that uh, Jason brought over. And uh, let us know what you're drinking, and we'd love to hear what that is. Maybe if there's some good ones out there, we can borrow some for our next show. And um, when you dive you into send that, us beer. You, <laughs> we would accept that as well. Well, I'd have to give them my address. So we'll I'd... find out a way to receive it. <laughs> Can you send beer to a PO box? Is that? <laughs> we'll make it happen. <laughs> um, you, you can email me beers if you'd like at daveatdrink5.com, and I'll be happy to uh, cash those in. There we go. <laughs> that's that's using your brain. But uh, we are on live every week Wednesday, 9 p.m. Central on YouTube, and you can check us out at Drink Five. We have a channel there which we would greatly appreciate you subscribing to that way you're going to be able to uh to get a notification every time that we go live and you're welcome to jump on make your own questions comments line up uh uh, uh, prognostication issues whatever it is that you want to discuss we're here for you unless we don't like your question and then we won't bring it up but that's um you know that's (laughs) but you'll never know it's up to the hosts yeah yeah (laughs) unless it's the only question that we don't answer um but drink5.com has a ton of good material during the week and uh, the rookie report and the confidence picks and all sorts of great analysis. So uh, we think it's a, a great resource for you in addition to all the other cornucopia of assets that are out there. Yeah, indeed. So uh, as we said this week, we're going to talk about week eight. Uh, we've got some trends to go over. We've got some news about uh, week eight. And then we're going to have a little betting game towards the end of the show. Um so, diving into the news, uh, COVID-19 has hit the Packers particularly hard this week, so they're going to be without 
Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard for tomorrow night's game against the Arizona Cardinals. Adams didn't even travel with the team, so he is already ruled out. I bait I and Lazard was only put on the list yesterday, so I don't see him making it back either. It looks like they're going to have to roll with uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Randall Cobb against the undefeated Cardinals. So good luck with that, Packers. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lazard, I think, was already marked as out. And, of course, uh, even if players are vaccinated, the rules that the NFL sets out is that they have to have two negative tests 24 hours apart, which isn't really possible if they actually are diagnosed positive. Um, right. Unless, you know, they're in the end of that cycle. It's just, it's not likely that that would have happened anyway. But for all of those people that have uh, either of the receivers, and of course it happened to Adams first, so a lot of people went and picked up Lazard and, yeah. and then found out that he's not usable, which is a kind of a waste of a, of a waiver wire claim. Well, hopefully they paid attention to the news before wa- waivers were processed last night and uh, changed their pick over. But, you know, that's not always the case. So the Deshaun Watson trade rumors are starting to heat up again because the trade deadline is about a week away. It is November 2nd. Mm-hmm. So it looks like they may have a deal in place with Miami. Now, of course, every time there's a news report saying that there is a deal, there's a you know, a follow-up news report saying that there isn't a deal. Sure. So it kind of reminds me of, like, um, is Andy Dalton going to start or Justin Fields going to start? <laughs> You don't know what's going to happen until it actually happens. So it's pretty clear that Miami is sort of waiting to see what's, you know, Watson's status going to be. It looks, and this is just sort of me prognosticating based on the things I've read, it looks like he will not make the commissioner's exempt list or have any legal issues until after the season. Mm -hmm. So if he is traded to Miami, he will probably be allowed to play. Yeah, I mean, technically, he could start this next week for Houston. There's nothing stopping him from playing now other than the team keeps him inactive every week. Yeah, and... Doesn't he go to practice all week long every week? I I believe so, and they've just been putting him into weird positional things and uh, uh, lining up as, like, a defensive back and weird stuff. Oh, that's bizarre. But in order for him to get paid, he's doing what it is that he has to do as a player. I'm not commenting on on any uh, uh, things guilty or or otherwise. But just like you said, if he does get traded to Miami, and it looks like whether or not he does this year, that's still something that those two teams want to have happen. It Um, seems like it, yeah. uh, He he should be able to start. Now, uh, Miami is welcoming in kind of a... Um, a media circus that surrounds that a little bit, but I certainly haven't heard as much about all these cases and everything since the beginning of the year. And I don't think it's that anyone's covering it up. It's just that there is no news to to report on. It's very true. And I don't know that Miami necessarily wants to bring that upon a 1-5, in 1-6 in six team. You know, if they lose again next week, they're going to be 1-7. Like, do they want to bring Deshaun Watson in for, you know, a chance to run the table and maybe make the playoffs. I don't, I don't think that that's like a, a smart thing to do, especially considering it's going to cost them what three first round picks, at least two. Yeah. So, so if, if they do trade for him, it, it seems like it's going to be three first rounders and a second rounder. I think that's what they were asking for basically. Um, and granted uh, Watson is a young quarterback and surely has top five talent and, um, I understand wanting to do that, 
But a lot of people out there are also being uh, Tua uh, Loa truthers, saying that, um, like, look at him, he's not that bad. Uh, it's actually working out okay. But then if you look at the record of the Dolphins, it's not really working out okay. Right, it's not working <laughs> out in terms of wins and losses. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tua was the best fantasy quarterback last week. But that doesn't win you any football games necessarily. No, and and Jalen Hurts, for example, has been one of the better fantasy football quarterbacks. But he's a horrible NFL quarterback. And then I saw, yeah, I saw a tweet <laughs> today that was like, expect uh, Gardner Minshew to get some starting time by the end of the year. So I mean, I honestly, uh, the the conversations around uh, many uh, experts on fantasy pros and elsewhere have all been saying to pick up Gardner Minshew, and I'm I'm a part of that. I agree with them. Uh, because I feel like Gardner is going to be the starter. Because if you look at the statistics, Hurst has gotten worse and worse. Now, his fantasy points have been above 20 points almost every week. But that's because of fourth quarter garbage nonsense. It, yeah, he's the king of uh, the high floor. He actually has the highest floor of any quarterback so far this year. His worst game is 21.8 points. So, it, unfortunately, his best game is only 28.7 but as as fantasy football team managers, we don't we don't care that much uh, if someone is actually a good NFL football player if they continue to be played and continue to have the the floor that you're talking about. Right. But what you do have to keep in mind is that if they're bad enough as an NFL quarterback, they won't be an NFL quarterback for the rest of the year. This may be the biggest <laughs> discrepancy between great fantasy player and awful like in real life player. Little Blake Bortles action uh, lines up uh, positively towards that discussion as well. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, I mean he has a sixty-one percent completion rate this year. That's garbage. It's it's all about the fourth quarter garbage time. And if a quarterback gives you the points you need, that's all you need on your team. But you should be afraid of him no longer being a starter in three weeks. Yeah, he has a minimum of thirty rushing yards in every game, so that totally brings his floor up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so players that are going to be probably coming back this week, guys to keep an eye on. Uh, see if they're still sitting on the waiver wire if you need them. You've got Rob Gronkowski coming back for the uh, Buccaneers. Jerry Judy's returning for the Broncos. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, as you mentioned earlier, in two quarterback leagues. That's definitely going to be a relevant pickup. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, if you need a spot start this week at wide receiver, that's tomorrow night, so keep an eye on that. And it looks like Michael Gallup is going to be is designated to return at the moment for the Cowboys. We'll see if he actually comes back or not. Uh, right away this week that is he'll come back soon though yeah and i think judy's already practicing and looking good and having good reports so he should be back uh, against washington this week yes uh and then guys who are not quite as close to returning but uh it's on the horizon you got baker mayfield who may sit out one more week uh saquon barkley who i don't believe was ever put on the ir so he is definitely um a guy to keep an eye on obviously he's not gonna be a free agent but once he's back, you're going to want to get him back in the lineup, and your Devontae Booker stock is going to crash. <laughs> and so my uh, last question to part, um, as we as we depart the news, is is Sam Darnold headed for a real-life benching? So he averaged 25 points per game in the first four weeks, 9.5 points per game in the last three. So he's deserving of being benched in fantasy football, including in two quarterback leagues. But will he be benched in real life for the Panthers, do you think? 
Yeah, and, and the answer is yes. Uh, he has been very poor. Um, the Panthers were also another team that was seemingly involved in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, but it, it looks like um, Deshaun Watson uh, only signed off on being traded to the Dolphins and not the Panthers. And since he has a no-trade clause, it's okay for him to say, no, I don't want to go there. And that's unusual. I, I would have thought he, he might have wanted to, but regardless of that, um, Sam Darnold... As so many people in in the beginning of the year were saying, myself included, that that he could have led them to be uh, you know a playoff team, uh, been an above average quarterback all season. He just has not been performing at that level at all, uh, and he's fallen off a cliff just recently. And he's he's certainly been on our cut list and is again. Uh, this week, yes, and I I don't understand why he can't connect with uh, all of the playmakers they have there. My only uh, posit here would be that maybe uh, their offense being run around Christian McCaffrey um, just has fallen apart after he was injured earlier this year yet again. Yeah, that could definitely be the case. I mean, when you when you design your offense around a guy like that and they're not available, that you know. Puts a lot of pressure on all the other positions. Um, certainly, they weren't expecting to have Sam Darnold without Christian McCaffrey. But DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, these are guys who uh, should not be difficult to get the ball to. Um, and certainly there's some offensive line issues, but they're they're not uh, near the bottom from what I've uh, looked at from PFF and other sources. So I just can't figure it out. Maybe Sam Darnold just isn't doesn't have the right stuff. I <laughs> You're pretty much right on. Well, so uh, let's have a drink. You at home, go grab yourself another beer or something like that. Uh, cheers. Okay, to a little rye. All right. But yeah, nine point five points per game. I hope that people dropped him a couple weeks ago and didn't wait till now. It helps him too, but he's still owned it at least seventy percent of leagues. Yikes. Every couple weeks, we like to touch on this segment here, which is player trends. What we do is we look at players who have either gone up or down in points over the uh, course of the last three weeks. Could always be more than that, but it needs to be at least three weeks to be a trend, as Dave so often likes to inform me. <laughs> so, uh, I got a couple of guys here. Dave's got a couple of guys here. My first guy is Joe Burrow. I've been loving uh, what Joe Burrow has been doing this year. Quarterback for Cincinnati. Week 5 versus Green Bay, 20.34. Week 6 at Detroit, 23.84. Week 7 at Baltimore, 27.64. Clear trend up. Last week, Joe Burrow was the QB2. Um, so he's finally been playing like the first overall pick that he was drafted to be last year. Um, in the last three games, he's the quarterback 7. So 7th most points over the last three weeks over those uh, over that um you know, stretch games that we just quoted. Um, I believe he is an every week starter in single quarterback leagues. Now last week he was a QB two, just behind Tua who we mentioned earlier. Um, and what's nice is Burrow has done all of his damage against respectable teams. He's not getting the easiest matchups over the last three games. 
None of those teams are giving up top 10 points to opposing quarterbacks. And that's after considering, you know, Burroughs points to them. So going into the matchup, they were even a little better. Uh, coming up before his bye week, which was in a couple of weeks, I believe, he has matchups against the Jets, who are giving up the seventh fewest points to opposing quarterbacks. But I believe that's mostly due to everyone running all over them. Um, so I would still start him against the Jets just because it's the Jets are such a bad team. And the Browns uh, are his other matchup. They're giving up the fourth most points to opposing quarterbacks. So Burrow has the Bengals in first place. They're 5-2. and two. Jamar Chase is a revelation at wide receiver. He's one of the best in football right now. And uh, I think that Burrow's outlook is really good for the rest of the season. Um, I was glad to see that his trend was solidly up because I wanted to talk about him. I wanted to um, bring up Burrow. And I think that the uh, Cincinnati offense is finally doing the things that I talked about earlier in the season. They're throwing the ball more, and they're having a lot of success doing that. Well, we looked at uh, we looked at the Cincinnati Bengals offense last year as a as a possible up and coming offense, and that didn't materialize last year for several reasons, including Joe Mixon being out um, and uh, and Burrow being out for for some of that season. But um, when we look at how they're performing this year, and uh, the injuries that they've had have been uh, manageable, um, they they certainly are a what what looks like um, a a perennial team as far as finishing in the playoffs, um, that's what I'm seeing from them, and that's what we projected from them when they started redoing their team a couple of years ago. Yeah. And Burrow is playing very well at this point. I don't think it's um, it, and I think he should start or shouldn't start week by week. He's owned in 92% of leagues, uh, and if you look at the quarterbacks. Uh, he is currently the number eight uh, high-scoring quarterback, and, and so he's an every-week start, uh, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know if there's a matchup that I would play someone over him unless you are sitting there with, like, Burrow and Stafford or Burrow and Lamar Jackson or something like that. Um, and uh, good for you, I guess, if, if you have both. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> b- but Jamar Chase... <laughs> a nice problem to have. Jamar Chase, at least in a couple of metrics, is the best rookie receiver of all time in the history of the NFL, for seven weeks, that's definitely the case. He certainly reminds me of another player on the Bengals uh, in A.J. Green when he's got all of those touchdowns and, and long passes and able to uh, arrest the ball um, in, in those circumstances when, when there's a um, contested catch. And, and so I, I agree with you. I love the team. I, I love Burrow. I wish they weren't in the same division as, uh, as my Steelers, but <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, better to have good competition. And I think because Joe Mixon was able to come back from injury, him and Samaj P. Ryan have done very well trading off touchdowns, and there's no um, there's no letdown in the uh, rushing offense. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really happy that uh, while the rushing game is very strong there, they did turn uh, and, and lean on the passing game a bit more. I was calling for that early in the season, not that any of them were listening to me. But through the first three games, he was averaging 25 pass attempts per game. And in the last four, he's averaging 34 pass attempts per game. So that's the kind of change I was hoping to see. Um, It's very encouraging to see that they've gone that way and it's working out for them. Um, So I I expect good things from the Bengals going forward. You know, the Jets, Cleveland, um, those are, you know, probably just going to be wins for them at this point. I, I don't know that Cleveland... Uh, with so many injury problems, is as strong of a team as they may have looked early in the season. Cleveland is always uh, not as good as as everyone says that they are. Yeah, it's a shame. And then we have a big (laughs) matchup 
in week 11 when they come back from the bye to look forward to. It's going to be Cincinnati going to play the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders are playing pretty well right now. They're 5-2. and 2-0 um, two and oh since they got rid of Gruden. So um, that should be a really good game. You know, it's interesting to talk about the passing offense, like like you were saying, because there are a couple of targets out there. Um, I feel like the person who is lost out the most in that offense right now is Tyler Boyd, who uh, in previous years uh, was getting all sorts of targets in the offense, but now with uh, Jamar Chase and with uh, T. Higgins coming back from injury and the emergence of C.J. Uzoma, who's the number four tight end overall in fantasy points right now, um, those three players are, are definitely dominating the targets. And Tyler Boyd, who uh, was, was definitely a draftable receiver, uh, is, has been doing very poorly. Yeah, Boyd has um, only nine targets over the last three games. so uh, Not enough to start. Definitely not, yeah, not enough to be as relevant as one would hope. And the Uzoma stats are crazy because he's had almost all of his points in two games. Mm-hmm. And the other uh, two games, I don't even think add up to what he scored in one of those, or the other five games. Um, so that's uh, an interesting team to look at. But with Uzoma playing so well, um, you've got to own him and probably be starting him most weeks. Uh, so if you want to read more about him and any other crazy stats, go check out uh, our website. I write a column every week called Statistically Insignificant. I did write a blurb on CJ Uzoma this week. And I think I wrote one about uh, Jamar Chase as well. Because that was a very impressive performance. Well, it, the Bengals, uh, I think Jason has a, a team like on his wall every year. And last year it was the... Um, the Browns. It was the Browns. The year before that it was the Titans. Yeah. Uh, and this year it's the Bengals probably. I finally hit on a team <laughs> the right year. They're doing they're doing better, <laughs> uh, respectively, than, than the other ones have in their time frames. Yeah. 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 Yep, good work. All right, so uh, my <laughs> other trending player is Damien Harris. He's the running back in New England, of course. Uh, week 5 at Houston, he put up 9.8. Still respectable. Week 6 versus Dallas, 17.3. Week 7 versus the Jets, 24.3. That was just last week. Um, but this is the age-old case of what to do when you have a good starting running back under Bill, Bel- Bill Belichick. This year, it's no different. So in 5 of 7 games this year, Harris has at least 14 rushing attempts, and he's averaging 15 points a game when he does get those 14 carries. So it's not he's not really involved in the passing game. He has no more than three targets in any single game. He only has ten receptions on the season. That's seven games worth. Last week's game against the Jets was another in a long line of terrible rush defense for the New York Jets. They are just uh, probably a historically bad rush defense. So as a team, they're giving up like 34 points per game to fantasy running backs. Mm-hmm. The next best team is only giving up 27 points. Or the next worst team, I should say. Um, so they are just miles ahead of the competition when it comes to sucking at rushing defense. <laughs> if if uh, all those double negatives make sense. So um, the, the Jets, to just pile on them a little bit, they're giving up double-digit fantasy points to every single relevant fantasy running back that they have faced. 12 different running backs across seven games. All three of the Patriots running backs last week had double-digit points. Um, they've also already had their bye weeks, so I correct myself. That's only six games for the Jets. And they have only given up 100 rushing yards twice all year. So they're just giving up points everywhere, but no, not, not too many points in any one spot. 
Um, so anyways, back to Harris. The question we must answer is this. Is Harris the real, real deal as a running back one, or is he a cog in the Belichick system and can be rendered irrelevant at any time? Personally, I don't think you can trust the running backs in the Belichick system for too long. They work on the short term. They do not work all year long. This week, they're going to be playing the Chargers. The Chargers are giving up the fifth most fantasy points to opposing running backs. Then they play the Panthers, giving up the fewest points to opposing running backs. The Browns, the sixth fewest points to opposing running backs. So, my recommendation for Harris is that you hold him for another week. Probably will have a good game against the worst, um, against one of the worst rushing defenses in the Chargers, and then his value will be at basically a season high. Try to deal him either this week or next week so that you can get the most you can for him because it's probably going to go downhill once they start facing good uh, uh, rushing defenses again. As we saw against the Titans, Harris had negative four yards. Or not the Titans, the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Buccaneers with an amazing rush defense allowed negative four yards to Damian Harris. So um, it, it's not like he's matchup proof or anything like that. So you need to uh, strike while the iron is hot and trade him instead of keeping him rolling on your team. So I agree with your methodology and reasoning, but I don't know why you would hold him for one more week because it's not like he's going to score more than 24.3 points next week. I think if you're talking about the highest possible value, it's already it's, here. Do you think it's right now and not one more week of a good game? Because if he scores another 15-plus points, I feel like that's just a little bit more to argue that, hey, he's great. You sell someone on the top of a trend, not on the downswing from the trend. You're right. He's probably... So, so even though he's high right here, this is the best time. Yeah. I mean, 24.3 points. He's not going to score more than that next week in all uh, odds. Yeah. And so if he scores less next week, his value is not more. It is less. So I traded him last week before this game. So I got, I got him still going up. That's still uh, good. But I traded him for, as we determined earlier in the year, one of the greatest wide receivers in history, Brandon Cooks. Mm. <laughs> hey, I, I, I like Cooks, but... Uh, um, I guess that has more to do with uh, your your need at that position at that time. It was during the very, I was very needy. Yeah, yeah. Last week was insane <laughs> for bye weeks. It's like every other every team that was on bye was good at fantasy football. But Cooks is a, is a good uh, consistent PPR wide receiver. Maybe not last week. I don't think he did so well this uh, last week. But yeah, he did have a down week last week. But with Tyrod Taylor coming back, yeah. I'm hoping that Cooks can. Uh, Come through for me. But I agree with what you're saying. So I think he's definitely a sell. Um, he could provide consistent value throughout the rest of the year, but that's supposing that Bill Belichick is not going to suddenly bring back Ramondre Stevenson, which he absolutely will in one of these weeks, and then give Damian Harris nothing. Uh, yeah. Because that's what happens on the Patriots. Trade this headache away before it becomes a migraine. Yeah. Well, you've enjoyed a couple of good weeks. Um, best not to linger on that with the Patriots uh, yeah. backfield. So I'd say, you know, keep <laughs> Joe Burrow, get rid of Damian Harris. I know that it's very hard It's very hard not to continue with a good thing, but especially in fantasy football, uh, great trends uh, generally only continue um, if they have a coach that 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 likes that and, uh, and, um, and wants to... Uh, take those players and and make them superstars. Bill Belichick is not a guy that wants to do that. He's not going to do it for anyone because then he has to pay them. Right. And you don't win six Super Bowls in 15 years by 
paying guys too much money. So he said, "Good, good week, you know, Harris. Good, good couple weeks, but uh, last game you you blinked in the direction of one of our open receivers, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was. I thought I saw the ball moving a little bit in your arms. It was a clear tell, and so I'm you're going to bench you before you fumble. You're going to be inactive next week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that he would go so far as to be inactive. He's a healthy but, scratch, but we're definitely you know barking up the right tree here. Yep. So who do you got for us? Um, so let's talk about a guy who has not been doing so well, and that's Tyler Lockett uh, from Seattle. Of course, uh, week five versus the Rams, he had 8.2 points. And uh, week six at Pittsburgh, 4.5. And week seven versus New Orleans with 2.2 fantasy points. Ouch. All these fantasy points, of course, are half PPR. Um, like clockwork then, when, when Russell went out, and he went out uh, in the game against the Rams in week five, uh, Russell Wilson was taken out with a right middle finger issue. And uh, if you remember in the game, did you watch the game? I was, yeah. So he was he was trying desperately to come back in, but he was kind of unable to even grip a tennis ball uh, during the game on the sidelines. And, and he, as you know, a tennis ball is much smaller than a football. It is a little smaller. <laughs> it's a little smaller than a football. Just, just yeah. in case we have any audience <laughs> listening who don't know anything about sports do you have a tennis ball and a football for demonstration purposes i mean okay so this is about the size of a tennis ball (laughs) and like i don't know the football is larger than that bottle of whiskey right there it's probably going to be as long but but you need a bigger the the grip part that you grip is wider than that so like when i throw this bottle of whiskey (laughs) yes at the camera (laughs) we just want to get you into the into the action here yes we want everyone to to feel like they're involved uh-huh. But but yeah, so when he was pulled out, of course the the receivers uh, tend to perform lower than average. And I'm not saying that, that Geno Smith didn't do a good job because he did. In the fourth quarter, there was one final drive. He did pretty well, I believe. Uh, he ended up throwing the ball to, it might have been DK Metcalf uh, for a touchdown or it's something. pretty much the only one who can find right now. Yeah, it, but... Uh, and but, it's hard to not find DK Metcalf. Yeah. He's a large man. But but Geno's still Geno, and of course the Rams didn't game plan against Geno Smith. Even a better Geno Smith isn't half of the quarterback that Russell Wilson is to his opponents and how they have to scheme against him and the Seattle offense with him on a weekly basis. Uh, Seahawks beat reporter Greg Bell uh, just shared this today on Twitter, this tidbit from Coach Pete Carroll. He, uh, they asked nothing new on Russell Wilson's status, no pin removed from his finger yet, and, and Pete Carroll said no. That's all that he said. Oh, they were talking about that happening this week. So no, it hasn't happened. It, the week is only half over. So the first game that he's eligible to return in is November 14th at Green Bay. I believe Seattle has a bye the week before. Yeah, next uh, week they're on bye. And I, I wouldn't drop Lockett from, from a team, uh, but you can't trade him either because he's uh, so low right now uh, in his trade value. And I'm not going to play him in any fantasy matchup that exists until Wilson is back under center. Um, That's the, a very good point. So a, a small guy like Lockett, you know, his advantage comes from having a great familiarity with the quarterback that he's playing with. Um, the quarterback knows where to find him all the time. He knows where to break when Russell Wilson is going to break out of the pocket. Uh, just to give you a difference, right? Tyler Lockett is 5'10", 182. DK Metcalf, who he's, you know, not really having too many tr- issues, um, not as many as Lockett anyways, is 6'4", 235. So he is 6 inches taller and 50 pounds heavier than Tyler Lockett. Hence why it is so much easier for Geno Smith to find DK Metcalf on the field. Well, you're... 
You're correct. Uh, and, and so as a possession receiver, especially versus Pittsburgh, for example, uh, Metcalf showed that he is still visible on that field. He had seven targets. He caught six of them uh, in week six for 58 yards. But that was only 5.8 fantasy points in standard or if you're uh, in half PPR, 8.8 uh, .8 points. Um, but last week, for example, against New Orleans, he had five targets but only caught two receptions, and one of them was a long touchdown reception. So if you take away the one long touchdown reception pass that was broken coverage, then DK Metcalf has also not scored hardly any points uh, in the last two games. That's true. They're, I they're, mean, it's the, the, the Saints, or the, the Seahawks just aren't. Yeah, exactly. They've lost all the games where Geno Smith played. I mean, he only threw the ball 22 times last week, so... So here's the facts. You're not going to get a lot out of the passing game. There's no points out there that Geno can provide to the wide receiver talent. Uh, also, with Chris Carson out, uh, Alex Collins has been okay. Um, for example, he was okay in the uh, second half against the Steelers. Uh, but in general, the the injury has caused some uh, tumultuous play from the backfield as well. And you have guys like Rashad Penny uh, who have, have gone out there and, and done a bunch of nothing. DJ Dallas, a bunch of nothing. Um, and so that whole offense is right now operating at a very low RPM, and they're not going to get better until Russell Wilson comes back. Now the problem is Russell like, makes that whole offense tick. Well, like we talked about though, uh, like Greg Bell uh, shared today, um, there is no update, and so we hope that he's able to grip a football and throw it after the pin is removed uh, this week or next week. But there's a possibility still with a middle finger injury if it's severe enough that he could be gone for longer. Uh, Absolutely. And Seahawks fans uh, are just going to have some really bad Sundays. Would you try and buy low on Metcalf right now if somebody was offering him up? I'm not trading into any of the Seattle offense. Smart. I wouldn't either. I mean, you have to win games now in I order to make the playoffs. I expect people to start trying to offer up you know, <laughs> Wilson in a two-quarterback league yeah. and Metcalf in any other league. But, um, yeah, I, I really think that well, what, what else What else do we know about Seattle and Russell Wilson? We know that he, he tends to do better during the first half of the season anyway. That's correct. And then the running game picks up and they stop throwing the ball. So, like, all signs point to Seattle offense being bad in the second half of, of the year this year. And I'm just not into it, man. But if you're going to take anybody... Uh, I would I would perhaps buy low into Chris Carson coming back because they're they're going to lean on their running offense, or perhaps buy low into DK Metcalf. Uh, you know, find a trade partner, point out the fact that he's not doing very well with Geno if you take away that big touchdown, um, because DK Metcalf will be able to have a floor that's high enough uh, with eight or ten fantasy points to be startable every week. Yeah. So uh, quick stat to back up your he's only good in the first half of the year. Yeah. Last year. Five of the first eight games, over 300 yards. In the second half, his best game was 263 yards. Yep. I mean, I've owned him in, in many leagues uh, and always end up uh, doing poorly in the last half or trading him before he does poorly in the last half to people that don't know that that's what happens. He had multiple touchdowns in every game of the first half of the season and only three games of the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Just a huge drop-off there. Well, so think about that, guys. And maybe maybe that's not the best thing for this year since Russell's already injured. But he's going to be in this league for a long time. And this is one of those little tricks to take advantage of that is based on trends. If you pick up Russell Wilson in the draft uh, or on the waiver wire and start him for a couple weeks, 
Uh, it's just like you said with Damian Harris. If he does well and, and puts up 25 fantasy points two weeks in a row and you trade him, uh, you know and I know, but other people might not, that the Seahawks in the Pete Carroll offense is going to go run heavy in the second half of the season. So, so I didn't expect this. How many seasons has Russell Wilson been in the league now? Eight? Ten. Yeah, long time. Yeah, I, I did not expect that. That just means we're old. You're <laughs> but I would I would think we started probably playing fantasy football like maybe 11 years ago or 12 years ago or something like that. Well, we're in the 12th year of a league that I started the second year I was playing. Maybe the third year I was playing. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's been a while. Um, our dynasty league is hitting is going to be 10 next year. Yeah, I think the first league I joined personally is probably maybe 13 or, or something years yeah, ago. I, yeah, I joined the league back then, but I am not in that league anymore. <laughs> they did some uh, funky shit. Well, you got you got to watch what's going on with those commissioners, man. Uh, and if you don't like what they're doing, then take it over or start your own league. If there's so many fantasy leagues out there. <laughs> don't bang your head against the wall trying to get everyone to play fair or um, be transparent. You know, if it's if it's too hard, don't lose a friendship over it. Just move on to a different fantasy league. You can still be friends with people. But if you fight over a fantasy league every year, you have the chance to not be friends with people. Yeah, Troy. This Bris- is life advice more than fantasy football. Troy advice. Brisky in the chat room says we are old, and yeah, you're right. It's us that is old. Uh, it's not. It's not the players in the NFL. Troy Brisky, he's not that old. <laughs> um, I, I know this Troy Brisky. He's alarmingly young compared well, to us. What he's saying is <laughs> is that when we when we don't realize that someone's been in the league for so long, it's because uh, because our league years are blurring together. It's very true. It's very true. Uh, second guy I want to mention is Zach Ertz, uh, of course, the tight end now for the Arizona Cardinals. If we look at his stats, uh, week five at Carolina, he had 1.2 fantasy points. Week six versus Tampa Bay, that's 10.9. And week seven versus Houston, he scored 14.5. Um, now that's that's with being traded. And I'm I'm as shocked as, as you guys are because something good is happening from the Eagles making a move, which hasn't happened in quite a long time. Um, <laughs> but it's actually a pretty great thing because uh, after a couple of years of, of really muddled and chaotic performances because of the split between tight ends Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, who are both high-level tight ends playing on the same offense in Philadelphia. Um, They were both rostered by the Eagles, used in frustrating ways. The Eagles ended up trading Ertz just last week to the Cardinals. Um, What a lot of people wish could have happened is that he would have been able to play both the Thursday night football game and again on Sunday. Yeah, that would have been pretty neat to have a double dip. Unfortunately, that's a rule in the actual NFL that you're not allowed to be able to play for two different teams in one week. So, unfortunately for Ertz... Or fortunately, because he probably didn't want to play. I'm sure, yeah. He's good not (laughs) He's like, do I have to? Like, Is that that something I have to do? Um, But uh, it actually works well for the trajectories of both players on their respective fantasy teams. Some people projected Ertz for a few low-target performances before finding chemistry with Kyler Murray, although it appears that they both got the same National Geographic Amazing Mega Chemistry kit uh, this year. And so there won't be any waiting period, surprisingly enough, before Ertz is used heavily in that offense. Arizona utilizing the tight end position to a higher degree is something that we've been able to see in the tea leaves since earlier this year because Max Williams... Uh, he had over two 12-point fantasy performances so far this year before getting injured. And and Max Williams was a, a waiver-wire pickup twice uh, on a lot of websites, including ours, 
because of the amount of targets and success that he was having in that offense. Now, remember, up until this point, uh, the Cliff Kingsbury offense was not using a tight end, uh, at least not to that degree at all. Max Williams is his name? Mm -hmm. He was playing well, and then he destroyed his knee a couple weeks ago. I just said he got injured. Right, but I think he was playing... Like, they were using him more than I expected. You may have missed this. I just said he had two over 12-point fantasy performances already this week, uh, uh, this season. I was gushing about your National Geographic oh. chemistry kit. I'm sorry. That's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll continue. I'll stop making an ass of But I brought up exactly the point that you're making, which is that they had started using the tight end position more this year, right? Uh, in previous years, they hadn't been. And so Max Williams was a, a tight end waiver wire pickup in a bunch of different websites, including ours, over the past six weeks. He did end up getting injured, mm-hmm. uh, like you said. And then they were like, well, what do we do? We like tight ends now. Yeah. So maybe we can go get that Zach Ertz guy that was <laughs> like leading the whole league in uh, tight end passing yards and touchdowns a couple years ago and who the Eagles don't seem to care about anymore. And so that's exactly what they did. It's a shame that Williams isn't playing. He really did have a good start. He dropped a target in week one and then did not uh, – was perfect for the rest of the year. I, I like the guy. I, I think he was the like fourth tight end on the Baltimore Ravens, and they had too many tight ends. Yeah, and he was easily on track <laughs> to have his best season of his career this year. But I mean, he would have easily passed that by. Now. I still think he's a younger guy. Maybe he has a, a chance to catch on. It's it's too bad. I agree. Um, this is actually his seventh season. Well, that's still <laughs> okay. So middle aged NFL player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a twenty seven year old football player seems like a young guy. Yeah, but really, they're not as young. As they may, as they would like to be. No, in in regular human years, you have to do like a times two multiplier. That's I think. very true. So he's uh, he's fifty four. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that would make Tom Brady really fucking old. Well, for those of you who didn't watch the game, which I'm speaking about the uh, Arizona versus Houston game, uh, in which Ertz scored 14.5 points, uh, I watched the whole game, and there was actually another opportunity for Ertz to score in a second touchdown that just didn't work because the play kind of fizzled out. Well, and this they, is the one where they gave him the carry, right, near the goal line? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, I, I think it was a pass play, actually. Okay. But, but he was involved in all kinds of plays. Yeah, I know he had a carry near the goal line that was close as well. And and the point is, uh, I think they're just going to keep utilizing him, and he's a playmaker. And on that team, they have nothing but playmakers right now. I mean, they've got A.J. Green, who's their arguably – uh, third wide receiver, although he's playing right now to maybe be WR2 after Hopkins. But you've got Kirk Cousins. Or sorry. Well, I think Christian Kirk, Kirk is definitely Kirk. in there as the number two guy. No, if you look at the stats, you'll see that A.J. Green has been schooling Christian Kirk uh, on the team this year. Really? But yeah, so Green, uh, Kirk, Hopkins, and now Ertz. Like, they're just unstoppable. It's madness. Not to mention the fact that they picked up uh, uh, James Conner from the Steelers, who I thought was was still a great running back, just suffered from a bad offensive line, right? And uh, and it looks like James Conner and Chase Edmonds both have room in that offense somehow to both be fantasy viable. So they are they are nearly the same statistically. There there's no schooling going on here. Okay, well, all the all the stuff I've read and the stuff that I've seen has AJ Green uh, uh, over the past couple of weeks doing much better than Christian Kirk, which is why I say that he's more of a WR two target. But who cares? Really, it's Hopkins and then a bunch of other guys. That's true. <laughs> 
point is they have they have super mega ultimate talent over there and they have kyler murray who's the guy throwing the ball and it's just unfair and and (laughs) that's a reason why look at their what's their record right now seven and oh there you go um so Ertz uh, going up against the packers this week mid-level matchup for Ertz as far as the fantasy points allowed to tight end uh from the packers but that doesn't really matter to me uh, i trust the targets i i trust the the history of Ertz as a tight end and an offensive weapon and i trust the ability for uh the arizona cardinals to get the ball to their playmaking receivers of of which uh, uh or of whom uh, Ertz has now won and I expect him to finish top eight at the position on average for the rest of the year. Uh, Ertz and Goddard are both going to be extremely good uh, tight ends. Whereas before, when they were just split, uh, there's a lot of arguments about not having either one. They were canceling each other out. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you who don't have uh, either of those guys, or if they're amazingly available for some reason, you should go pick them up. But they shouldn't be available on anybody's waiver wires. No, I don't expect them to be. Uh, Ertz is owned in... Ertz, don't it. 77% of leagues. And Goddard is owned in 91% of leagues. So. Did you go and buy the National Geographic Amazing Mega Chemistry Kit while I was... While I was uh... No, but I think it needs to be on uh, Christmas <laughs> lists for everybody. Go buy your kids the chemistry kit so they too can do really well in the Arizona Cardinals offense. Hey, man, why not? Yeah, I agree. Is Kyler Murray on like the cover of it? No, he should be. <laughs> well, we expect to be, we expect to be sponsored by National Geographic or someone that sells chemistry kits. Okay. Yeah. Let's. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're open. We're open to all sponsorship. We are indeed at this moment. Yeah. All right. Let's have another drink. Yeah. The sound Do you want any more rye here? Uh, just a splash. Okay. To our friends at home. Cheers, everybody listening. Not live. Shut that up. Yeah, we appreciate everybody uh, who is... Uh, Listening to the podcast, whether it's on YouTube or on Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get to it. So, shall we play a game? All right, let's play a game. A little fantasy football game of our own. Uh, last week, <laughs> Dave and Jess um, bet on over-unders that I set up for them, and they split. Matt Stafford went over his point total that I gave him, mm-hmm. and Aaron Jones went under his point total that I gave him. You guys picked over for both of those players, and then uh, you split on the other two players. Well, what were the? Can you can you mention the actual? Uh, All the numbers points? and everything. Yeah, I can give people numbers. Numbers are fun. Numbers. So um, Stafford's over under. I set at twenty one. He put up twenty seven, and uh, Aaron Jones. I set at seventeen point five, and he scored only six point four. And one of the reasons that I mentioned him was that he. Aaron Jones was a feast or famine type player. That was famine for sure. And both of you said over. And then we had Jamar Chase. You guys split on that. I set his line at 13.5. Dave, you went over. Jess went under. And he went way over. 30 points. 
for the week. Chase. He's something. Very impressive game from Chase. Yep. And then Kyle Pitts was the last guy. He's been playing very well lately. I set his line at 9.4. Um, he smashed that line, 19.8. Uh, Jess went over and you went under. So that makes you guys both 2-2 two and two for the week. So you just have to figure out what to do with that. Well, we were going to buy an expensive bottle of wine, and so uh, you probably still will. We're going to sp- <laughs> we're going to split it. Yeah, there and you that, go. that works out fine. <laughs> okay, so this week we are each going to pick four players, um, one from each of the main fantasy positions. Now, if you have listened to us in years past, this uh, sort of method of picking players and making a bet will be pretty familiar to you. We've done this before. So, in each position, there'll be three players to pick from. Uh, we're going to alternate who gets to pick first. Dave, you can go first when we start. Uh, the point of the game is to have the best overall score for the lineup. So we're going to do drink five standard scoring, which is half point PPR, four point passing, six point regular touchdowns, you know, the usual. The loser is going to buy the bottle of whiskey for our upcoming shows for however long those, you know, last. Um, <laughs> if we both lose, meaning if the leftover team beats us, so there'll be one player left over after we pick each position. If that team beats both of us, then we don't buy any whiskey. Nobody gets any whiskey because you shouldn't be rewarded for that. And we rename each other's team and drink five. All right. You know, and, and you, you kind of go for maximum shame for this. I'll, I'll sign, the, <laughs> I'll sign the, the responsibility and liability forms. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> I already signed you up for it. I already forged your signature. So great. I'm glad that you're on board. That's great. Now that we've got it on record, we're good. So the rankings are based on Dave's rankings, which you can find on drink5.com. Uh, Dave is a Fantasy Pros expert listed on that website. Uh, but you have to go to drink5.com in order to see the exclusive Dave-only rankings. You can only compare Dave with other players or or make an amalgamate of Dave and other experts on Fantasy Pros. But you have to go to drink5.com to see what Dave's actual rankings are. And then if a player we pick doesn't end up playing for whatever reason, then the player left over will be the one in there. So okay. that's just... Uh, some rules. So we're going to start out. We've got the quarterback position first. And we're going to pick the quarterbacks at numbers 9 through 11. I assume that you haven't changed your rankings in the last few hours. You shouldn't assume those things. I hope you haven't. Uh, I have uh, taken some players. I, I hope you've updated people if necessary. I have taken, yeah. But I hope that I have the most up-to-date rankings. I'm pretty sure that you do, yeah. Okay, fantastic. And, and it, I mean, it's awkward for me almost playing this game because I'm probably just going to pick the top guy every time that I have the possibility to. You know, I will frequently, <laughs> not to try and trap you, but I'll notice, like, if I am giving you a selection of two players and they're right next to each other on your rankings yeah you don't always pick the guy highest well you know I, I've, I've explained that before right i mean yeah. uh the rankings are not just based on my uh predilection towards uh a player but on their previous statistics and uh on the defense that they're uh playing up against and the trends that are occurring in their uh in their play style and targets so um and it, you uh, reserve the right to change your mind on your rankings up until Sunday at eleven fifty nine a.m. It's a it's a like an upside versus floor thing, right? Sure. Yeah. Like I I would almost want for rankings on Fantasy Pros to start having some flags that people could have that say like this is an upside player. Like yeah, maybe he's ranked lower, but he has the possibility to score way more <sighs> points. And I'll high I'll, ceiling. I'll uh, I'll touch on that a little bit later, but for example, in the wide receivers, there's a really good candidate there that I see as as a guy who could score way more points than either of them, uh, than either of the three players. 
but he's also ranked as the lowest. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay, so in, roll the dice in, in order. Actually, they are in order. Uh, quarterbacks nine through eleven. We've got Joe Burrow playing at the New York Jets. Kirk Cousins home against Dallas, and Ryan Tannehill at Indianapolis. So I'll select Joe Burrow. Okay. And that's interesting. I, I like Joe Burrow. I gushed about him earlier. In this matchup, I would rather have Kirk Cousins. That's great. You get him. Because... And then Tannehill's going to beat us both somehow. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like uh, they're going to just run the ball a lot and go up early against the um, Jets and probably not put up a lot of quarterback points. I don't think that's a function of the Jets' passing defense. I think it's a function of their lack of rush defense. But we've belabored that point enough today. And let me just mark Mr. Tannehill uh, for the leftover team. Oof. Team leftovers. Coached by uh, one Damon Lindelof. So uh, if we're alternating, does that mean that uh, for the wide receiver position, leftovers get to pick first? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No. I don't <laughs> think that we'll get uh, Damon's feedback quick enough. Gotcha. And running back, numbers 21 through 23. Khalil Herbert versus San Francisco, Antonio Gibson at Denver, and Devontae Booker at Kansas City. And it dawns on me as this becomes my pick that I should have thought about this ahead of time <laughs> because I wrote it all down and then didn't really consider who I'd actually pick. Uh, who are you going for, man? I'm going to just have to say, give me Khalil Herbert. Well, I, 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 I'm picking him up where I can this week. It looks like he's going to... Be de- I mean, he put up 100 yards against the best rushing defense in the league. Um, so, give me Mr. Herbert. Who do you like on this? You can choose Antonio Gibson or Devontae Booker. So, Antonio Gibson has a shin injury, and uh, like there's a possibility that he doesn't start or he's limited. Uh, and that's a problem that's for me here. So, um, I guess... And that's why he's ranked 22 right now. I assume. I, I guess I'm gonna say um, Antonio Gibson. However, I I I would expect that if he doesn't play, that you would give me Devonte Booker. If he doesn't play, yeah. If he's inactive, you get Devonte Booker. <laughs> so that's the hard part about picking things on uh, on Wednesday for a Sunday matchup, right? Yep. Well, that's when we do the podcast. Yep. All right, Dave. At wide receiver, your choice of Robert Woods going to Houston, Cortland Sutton hosting Washington, and your guy, Chase Claypool, going to Cleveland. So, like I said, I I would rank them in that order, but I think that Claypool has the highest upside out of those particular guys. Um, And I... I'm going to pick Chase Claypool. All right. I wrote that down already. I thought you might. Yeah. Um, so, boy, Robert Woods has really, like, had one explosive week and a bunch of weeks that aren't great. Well, I believe he scored nine points in the last two games. And so, like, I think they, they really wanted to throw him a bone, and then they're just going to have him, like, just get four or five targets over yeah. every single week. And Cortland Sutton has Jerry Judy coming back. I think that's going to help. Draw a little bit of attention away from Cortland Sutton. I'm going to go with Cortland Sutton this week. We're going to give Team Leftover the highest-ranked player. It's probably a mistake. <laughs> I mean, you know, if we're right 55% of the time, then we're, we're good. <laughs> All right. 
And and if the mistake lies anywhere, then it's what with your rankings. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Nothing is uh, without flaw, you know. Uh, and <laughs> sorry, at tight end, we're gonna go with numbers seven through nine. The wide receivers were twenty five through twenty seven, by the way. Uh, and at tight end, we're gonna go with seven through nine. Hunter Henry at the Los Angeles Chargers, so revenge game kind of thing. Zach Ertz versus Green Bay, and Dalton Schultz at Minnesota. Um, Hunter Henry, I think, is on a four-game touchdown streak right now. So I, I really like that he has been, you know, the high-floor sort of uh, tight end pickup of the middle of the year. Um, not putting up a lot of yardage, though, so I think his ceiling is still pretty low. Zach Ertz, we saw, you know, had a 50-yard touchdown in the last game. Dalton Schultz is a target machine. Um, I want, Ooh, this is a tough one. I'm between Henry and Schultz, I think. Um, and I would go with Schultz because he's going to probably have the most targets out of all these guys. So I'm going to go Dalton Schultz. Oh boy. So do you like your guy that you talked up earlier? Are you gonna are you gonna zag? Hunter Henry has the highest floor, and I already chose a high upside player in the last. Uh, so I'll just take Hunter Henry. I love Zacherts. I think they're gonna find ways to give the guy the ball. But there's so many people on that team that score touchdowns. Yeah. Like the the likelihood that that Ertz gets a touchdown every week very low. Likelihood that Hunter Henry gets a touchdown every week almost a hundred percent at this point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So recapping, Dave, your team is Joe Burrow. Antonio Gibson, Chase Claypool, and Hunter Henry. You went uh, very AFC heavy. Um, Not on purpose. <laughs> I have Kirk Cousins, Khalil Herbert, Cortland Sutton, and Dalton Schultz. I feel like I want to redraft. I don't like, you like the way that, that worked out yeah. necessarily. <laughs> but then again, you know, none of them are supposed to be uh, knock-your-socks-off teams. It's supposed to be difficult. And the leftover team um, looks decent. Ryan Tannehill, Devontae Booker, Robert Woods, and Zach Ertz. Yeah, well, good luck to all of us. So anyone uh, who's listening, um, let us know who you think is going to win. If it's going to be Dave, if it's going to be me, or if it's going to be the leftovers. And we'll be just be embarrassed. <laughs> so um, good luck, Dave, this week. Okay, cheers. And I think that we can now move on to some uh, questions from the audience. Yeah, so I have a couple. Let's just move right into it. Uh, and I encourage anyone who's watching live to go ahead and put a question into the question or comment box on YouTube. If Jason, Like Jason said, if you're listening to the podcast later on demand on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever, uh, feel free to send us a tweet uh, at Drink5 on Twitter or a message on Facebook at Drink5. Uh, network or uh, email us directly jason at drink5.com david drink5.com we'll get back to you if we possibly can happy to do so um, but for right now we have a couple questions from twitter the first is from the fly route pod uh, which is a podcast a lot of them a lot of football podcasts uh, this guy says i need to start either khalil herbert or Devonte booker which is funny because uh we we just we clearly just about chose that. between them <laughs> and i think the answer is khalil herbert yeah, since neither of us wanted uh, Booker. But the leftover team says Devontae Booker is clearly the way to go. <laughs> yeah. But, yes, I, I endorse Khalil Herbert. Would you have taken Herbert uh, the first three if you had the first choice at running back? 
Yes. Okay. I mean, he just has the most volume, and like uh, Williams is not doing anything. There's no Tariq Cohen. Like he's the only guy there. He's getting... really the up and coming of the three. Yeah, he's going to be the number two behind David Montgomery based on his performance. Uh, Damian Williams, who I, I would have thought would have done really well after uh, testing positive for COVID and then like not really coming back from that. Yeah. Um, there's nobody else there. Yep. It's Herbert. Plus, the Bears like players named Khalil, and that's just the way it is. Yes. And that they, <laughs> if, if Khalil Mack's going to go on IR, they have to have at least one. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Uh, second is from Patrick R. Short on Twitter. Who should I start this week in .5 PPR? That's Elijah Mitchell, Zach Moss, or Antonio Gibson. And uh, I will go first again. Um, I personally really love Elijah Mitchell in a horrible game, if anybody watched it this past week, because it was just rainy and slippery and bad. Elijah Mitchell had a really good effort. Uh, and again, Trey Sermon, not really there. Uh, Jeff Wilson, not coming back anytime soon. Jermichael Hasty. I think I think yeah. clearly the number one uh, running back, and maybe even going forward uh, for the next year or more, Elijah Mitchell looks like the guy they like. So I'm, in, I'm into Mitchell. I have to agree with you on Mitchell. I uh, got him at one of the dynasty leagues uh, working out for me. Yeah. I kind of took him as an afterthought after taking Sermon. And I'm really glad I did because Sermon is not working out. No, Sermon is going to be droppable, I think. Uh, and a lot, I, I heard someone compare him. I don't know where I read this article because there's so many places. But I heard someone compare him to uh, uh, Keyshawn Johnson on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, a guy that was drafted with a lot of hype but never has really resulted in any fantasy production in the NFL for multiple reasons. But Elijah Mitchell is just that guy that the 49ers like. Are you talking like. about Keyshawn Vaughn? Yeah, Vaughn. Okay. Not Johnson. I was going to say, Keyshawn Johnson had a good career. <laughs> yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, uh, running oh, running back drafted Are two years ago. Are you looking at my dynasty draft picks and no. pointing out all the flaws? <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's the kind of... You're going to get those guys occasionally that look really good on tape or perform really well in college under a certain scheme or offense, and they just don't translate. Yeah, I mean, in in kind of like the um, Damian Williams situation where like he just wasn't given the chance to play right away because of things outside of football that were stopping him, injury, COVID, crap like that. Yeah, he would have been the when guy. When it came time to play, he was way behind and just couldn't, you know, it, was, it didn't make sense to put him on the field. Williams is a great back, but uh, even in Kansas City, never really performed uh, in a consistently uh, good um, long-term kind of a, of an aspect. I remember a couple of years ago, I was at Buffalo Wild Wings watching a playoff game that I had Damian Williams starting in, and he scored like three touchdowns, winning me that game. He was awesome, but for like three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Great villain player. But yeah, so uh, Trey Sermon... Uh, he was seemed to be this um, this guy that was getting all the hype in the second coming, and of course he's going to be the guy. Uh, doesn't seem to be. Elijah Mitchell seems to be the guy. So I think we both agree. Yeah, I mean Sermon was a third over third round pick. Yeah, and I think Mitchell was a fifth or a sixth. I will uh, I will uh, send the uh, tweets out in answer to to those uh, particular people, and I hope that they have good. Uh, luck with their matchups. Yeah, Mitchell was picked more than 100 players later than Trey Sermon. Yeah, we have a, uh, a, a 
chat room lineup question, Darnold, Garoppolo, or Fields? And that is quite the question right uh, there. This has to be a two-quarterback league. Otherwise, you're 0-7 <laughs> in your fantasy league. And I, and I know that it's a two-quarterback league because I'm in this league with, with my guy Troy. So why don't, um, why don't you field this one first, Jason? We talked about Darnold earlier, and we talked about how he had to go, right? He's got to be dropped. We don't want him around anymore. You've got him ranked 17. The reason is uh, specifically because he's still the starter and he's playing Atlanta. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, okay, maybe we try for one more week. So the question is, (laughs) do you want to try for one more week? Maybe Sam Darnold runs it in the end zone like he was doing earlier in the year. Or he could be benched halfway through the game. Or he gets benched halfway through the game. Or do you want to take a flyer on, like, Justin Fields playing at home, having a weak opponent, Matt Nagy's not around, maybe finally he's able to just sort of play the game without thinking too much and actually have a good performance. I kind of see that coming from Fields Fields right now. He's played seven games in the NFL, and only one of them has he scored more than single-digit fantasy points. Oh, God, I can't recommend that. Please do not start him. I mean... Am I playing Troy this week? That would be amazing. <laughs> don't don't start Justin Fields. Do yourself a favor. No Justin Fields. That is a bad move. Um, <laughs> uh, I I think if Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter versus the Bears, that is uh, it's an option. Um, I honestly think Sam Darnold is still the best starter out of those three. Out of and, those three, and that sucks. Yeah, but that's I who I would agree. That's who I would pick is because he's playing Atlanta. And if they're going to beat anybody and have a better showing, specifically Sam Darnold uh, with his great targets and Anderson and and Moore and uh, Chuba Hubbard, I I would think that it's going to be this game. In in any other league, I would say try to grab maybe Tyrod <laughs> Taylor, but I know that he's not available in that league because I needed to replace David Mills and he wasn't available. Yeah. So, um. So I I got to go Darnold, but. Fields would be the next guy in line if you think that there's an amazing turnaround in store for him. But that's like, uh, you know, uh, trying to get a straight flush on the river. What's more likely? Fields putting together a double-digit performance or Darnold getting benched at halftime? That's impossible for me to to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) These are bad options, but you have to take the better matchup in a player that has... uh, um, that has already proven that this year he he could put up good points. Um, I, I would say Garoppolo against the Bears isn't a bad option either, but the problem with that... Uh, so the 49ers are giving up the seventh most points to opposing quarterbacks. However, Atlanta's giving up the third most. Right. So that still points to Darnold. It's just a better matchup. Uh, and unless Darnold is is literally ousted as a starter before the game, it's going to be really hard for him to not put up good numbers. I mean, Darnold's floor is eight. <sighs> He's been averaging nine points over the last three games. <laughs> but one of them was like a three-point game last week and like a 16-point game. Uh, we should close this out. I say, Darnold, are you going to go with Fields or Garoppolo? No, I can't. <laughs> I, can't. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You can't. We just can't do it. It's... So, Troy, uh, we're sorry. But you know what? Uh, if you want to go with someone who has the upside, it's still Darnold. Yeah, because Darnold has that rushing element to his game that he's shown this year. Yeah, he could score two touchdowns in this game. It's not like Christian McCaffrey's in there where they're going to give him the ball on the goal line. 
Yeah. So it could still be Darnold if they're at the goal line. And it's Atlanta. Atlanta's bad. Sam Darnold it is. Oh, I hate recommending Sam Darnold to anyone. Oof. Even Sam Darnold. All right. So, shall we burn down the cut list really quick? Okay, well, last segment of, of the day is the, the J cut list, and we're just going to go over a couple of players that either already should have been cut, now should be cut, a short explanation for each. Who do you think will be first on the list? Well, <laughs> we've talked about him from the beginning to the end of, of the podcast. That's very true. So why don't you go ahead and start with the quarterbacks? Cut Sam Darnold. Yeah. This is for one quarterback leagues, um, but... Yes, definitely cut Sam Darnold, cut to a tongue of Iloa. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, Miami doesn't have faith in him, obviously. They're, they're seeking out a guy who has 20-plus uh, uh, civil uh, charges against him. Like, it is it is clear. What was the Tua quote? He, he doesn't not feel wanted? I <laughs> I mean, he could still have some good games, but it's just... You don't want to be a dispirited. Uh, you don't want to roster a dispirited quarterback that feels disconnected from a team that he just joined. Not to lump all Hawaiians together, but Tua feels a lot like Marcus Mariota. Why are you trying to lump Hawaiians? Together? I'm not. I'm just. They they <laughs> they feel like the same kind of quarterback, and they're both Hawaiian. I don't want people to think I'm trying to lump. This them guy's together. about to get canceled or something over here. It's, but he's it, trying. It reminds hard. me of him. And I, I feel like they see it now, and they're like, nope, this is the same thing that we saw with Mariota. Wait till Hawaiian Twitter gets a hold of this. Well, they're six hours behind us, so I got some time. <laughs> uh, I agree with those. So Tua and Sam, those guys should not be rostered in one quarterback leagues. Uh, it's unfortunate because I, I did have hope for Tua, but uh, the young quarterbacks that are going to lead us to the promised land are not uh, Tua and Sam. They are uh, uh, Joe Burrow and Kyler Murray. Well, yeah. <laughs> those are those are the guys. The first overall picks, you mean? Yeah. Those. Th- I mean, hey, there's something to be said for scouts, man. I mean, Tua was the second overall pick, which might as well be last, I nope. guess. If it's two, might as well be last. That's okay. right. <laughs> you want to take running backs? Uh, running backs, we have Damian Williams, who, again, was on the COVID list, hasn't done anything. Uh, Khalil Herbert looks like the guy. I think he'll keep that position. So Damian Williams can be dropped from all and leagues. And Montgomery should be back in a couple weeks. Maybe. Uh, I, I haven't heard a lot of news on him. Because uh, wasn't it a six to eight week injury or a four to six week injury rather than a three week IR yeah, stint? Yeah, I think it's been four weeks already. No. Well, I'm not good with time uh, in the football season. It's relative. <laughs> uh, Mike Davis uh, is, is sort of a uh, a hot. Mike uh, Davis? Kind uh, of thing? A hot take. Um, and oh, you have some more hot takes here. No, I don't think I do. Okay, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure there's that is a hot take in and of itself. Back to Mike Davis for a minute. Well, I think I think that Mike Davis, uh, interesting player. Again, uh, he was the guy in Carolina last year when uh, Christian McCaffrey was injured for the whole year. He did fairly well there, but that offense is built around that. In Atlanta, they've decided that Cordrell Patterson. Uh, be him a wide receiver or running back, which, by the way, not all leagues have decided, not all fantasy uh, um, uh, websites have decided that he's a running back. Some still have him as a wide receiver Only a wide or receiver? a wide receiver slash running back. Okay. Uh, and I assumed he had dual eligibility in most places. Yeah. So uh, Mike Davis has uh, 
only scored a, above single-digit fantasy points in half PPR one time. That was in Week 5 versus the Jets, where he scored 11.1. The rest of the time, uh, he averages uh, around, let's say, uh, 8 or 9 points. Um, he is getting some targets in the offense. But then, last week against Miami, and the game that a game that Atlanta won 30-28, Mike Davis had four rushing attempts for 10 yards uh, and no targets in the receiving game. Yeah. And I think that... And he still played 60% of offensive snaps. That offense is just moving simply to uh, Cordell Patterson and Kyle Pitts, uh, and that's about it. Yeah, even sort of leaving Calvin Ridley. Well, Ridley was... as like the third target. Ridley was like not... Third a, option, I should say. I, wasn't he injured or out for a little while there? He had a mental health week. I don't know. <laughs> So, I mean, if you need it, take it. Good for you. It's important to have your mind in order to do anything successful in your life. Uh, but, but granted, uh, this is not a trend down, but I just feel like Mike Davis is not someone that you want to have on your fantasy squad. Uh, if you were looking for a consistent guy to score you 10 points a week, there's a bunch of other ones that have higher upside than Mike Davis that you could trade for or perhaps even pick up off the wire. So Davis... So in the end, not such a hot take. Cut Mike Davis. Yeah. Uh, and and then we have Miles Sanders, uh, who's 92% owned in Flea Flicker, or at least he was uh, recently. I'm not sure what he's... As a couple hours ago, he was. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I think we all know the problem with Sanders is that he hasn't isn't being utilized in the offense. The funny thing about this is Sanders, when he is utilized, when he is given the ball, is actually been performing at a high level. But now that he's had an injury, um, not only was is he not getting the opportunity, but he can't because he's not in the game. And so those two things together, I would have said previously that he's still a hold until they decide uh, to actually use him to where he should be. But now because he's injured as well, we're going to see Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott come in. Uh, and I, I just don't see Miles Sanders regaining um, a, a fantasy relevance this year on the Eagles. I don't it's a see shame. It. 4.8 yards per attempt this year. He's Very not a good. bad running back at all. Only being given nine attempts per game. It's horrible. Catching 80% <laughs> of the passes coming his way. I, I don't. I don't understand. Um, so at wide receiver, the Eagles are not something you should try to understand. No, I'm, no. I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> they have the best fantasy, the, the most consistent fantasy quarterback, and nothing else. Oh god! And he's a horrible quarterback. And he's a terrible quarterback. <laughs> it's like Blake Bortles 2.0. So at wide receiver, we're gonna cut Allen Robinson. No, I I put him as a uh, um, like a hot uh, um, hot take last week. And I said specifically, if he still doesn't perform this week against a defense that he should be able to excel against, uh, Tampa Bay, who is actually allowing pretty good numbers to wide receivers, then you should cut him and release him and wait until he goes somewhere other than the Bears. So this year, Darnell Mooney has more targets, receptions, and receiving yards than Allen Robinson. I don't think that's Allen Robinson's fault at all. I think he is a superior wide receiver, but it doesn't matter at all. Right, right. I agree. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And now Justin Fields is going to throw three touchdowns to Allen Robinson this week. Justin Fields. <laughs> Based on no. Justin Fields will score an amount of points that I have on my hands. Oh, right man. One through eight. You won't need your toes. No, no. <laughs> 
There's not enough room for, for You're not even going to need your thumbs. There's not enough room for quality wide receivers and and good fantasy uh, performances on the Chicago Bears. Yeah. So we're also cutting Odell Beckham Jr. Um it's a shame. But it, it is what it is. Henry Ruggs on the cut list as well. Um Ruggs is a guy who can catch a deep pass, but he doesn't catch enough passes to keep on your team, really. I mean, what, three, four, and four targets in the last couple of weeks? It's not going to cut it. It's not enough on a team where they're throwing the ball way more than that. That's right. Brandon Ayuk is a sort of a no-brainer cut at this point. I think that he's been on our cut list before. Um, but he's still owned. Anybody who I added to the list is owned in at least 70% of leagues. Um, and Tim Patrick as well. Tim Patrick's an easy one because you've got Jerry Judy coming back. Yeah. And Ayuk, we, we gave him all these chances because, again, he, he's a super ultra-talented receiver. But he he keeps um, like having problems with the play calling, fumbling the ball, making mistakes. He's uh, regressing this year, and that's a huge red flag. It's not working well. Yeah. Uh, and the tight end that I have on my list is uh, Cole Komet, and uh, it's it's a shame too because you know again at the beginning of the year and last year these are guys in Allen Robinson and Cole Komet that we thought could really do well, and we looked at the offense and said Andy Dalton, well he's not very good, he's an average to below average quarterback. <laughs> the Andy Dalton line is what uh, you know we've talked about for years, and we said Justin Fields probably he'll be around that or better like you would assume right uh which should uh, allow for those players to be good enough to be fantasy relevant but it turns out justin fields uh, is horrible which may be because of naggy or uh, play calling all kinds of different things offensive line but it doesn't matter why it is it only matters that it is and be- <laughs> because justin fields is bad you, all of the offensive uh players with the exception of whoever is running the ball on that offense, because uh, it looks like they're having a little bit of success, and one receiver per game are are becoming fantasy relevant. So Cole Komet is simply not in the picture, not in the storybook for this year. I concur. So uh, everybody who listened, thank you so much. Um, make sure that you can join uh, you join us live every week at nine p.m. on Wednesdays, unless otherwise noted. Uh, follow us on Twitter to keep up with that uh you can check us out on facebook you can check us out on instagram um you can send us in your lineup questions join us during the show live to ask your questions live um but thank you so much everybody and make sure you go to the website check out all we have to offer there and uh drink five everyone we'll talk to you next week that's right cheers cheers good luck